podcast is brought to you by New Hope Baptist Church. For more information, visit the website newhope.net.au or follow us on social media. Well, hello and welcome back to our final in our series of extras for our One Peter Life Together sermon series. I'm here with Alan and we're talking about the final chapter of First uh, Peter, which is chapter five. Yes. So, Alan, I want to take us straight to something which I just think is so wonderful in this chapter, which are the verses that address mm. humility particularly humility in the context of leadership, um, because I think that's just so the message that we need to hear in this particular cultural moment. So I wondered what you thought about that. Let's read it. Um, they are beautiful words, compelling words, and, and, and quite a countercultural vision. So all of you, says Peter, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So there's so much in there. We could yeah. preach several sermons. We could, we, we could. So good. Uh, th this, this idea of, humi of humility being <laughs> the path that God empowers, I, I think is, is, is quite incredible, really. Because... Our, our human knee-jerk reaction is to draw the power toward ourselves. It, mm. it is to take hold of the situation, to, to, to control, to, to gain command. And here we're being invited to, to be humble. Uh, John Dixon wrote a book called Humilitas. Uh, he is a preacher and a uh, thinker in, in Sydney. And, and the big idea that he brought in that book is that Humility and the Christian concept of humility is taking our capacity, power, resource, privilege position and deploying it in service to others. And I think that's exactly what our cultural moment uh, demands. And it's such an empowering vision within a family, uh, you know, within a workplace, to actually have people who would use their various capacity, whether it's wealth or position, um, or, or intellect, or you know the, the stuff I happen to be able to do with my hands, and deploy that to serve those who are vulnerable, to serve one another. All ships rise mm. in that environment. I love the connection um, that that Peter makes to anxiety. At the end yes. of this passage about humility, he says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And I just think that's so fantastic. Every time I see a Lamborghini or a Ferrari yes. going down the street, I say to myself, oh my goodness, that poor man, and it usually is a man, he just must be so anxious yes. that he has to make this epic display of his wealth in order to convince all of us of how important and talented he is. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, if we've been giving grace upon grace, or all these gifts from God, that, that that is the basis, our giftedness, our blessedness is the basis for humility. Yeah. Um, and that is an antidote to anxiety. Yes, yes. Um, a lot of anxiety in our world, mm. a, lot of, a lot of anxious um, hearts. And what we've been through in 2020, mm. the question marks against so, so much. Um, so you could read that as it's not a time to be humble and taking your resources and supporting and helping others. Mm. You know, this is, this is a time to 
you know, shore up your own yep. capacity and security. Um, and that's exactly what we'll all do if we don't have something to, some place to take our cares and our worries. Yeah. And so, this, you know, Peter's incredible insight. Yeah. God, God wants to take those worries so that you can keep walking this life-giving path. You know, if, if, if we are courageous enough to say, God, these are the things I'm worried about, yeah. God will actually enable uh, both, both in our spirit, in, in our you know, inward disposition, and in our resource-based capacity, he'll enable us to keep walking on that path. And, and that phrase in there that's the kind of negative, the kind of driver, it, you know, Peter's kind of saying, it's really important to remember God hates the proud. He poses the proud. He doesn't stand up for the proud. Uh, he loves the humble, but he opposes the proud. Strong language that's mm -hmm. used there. And uh, because pride invariably hurts people. And so that's, that's why God's not, not in, you know, that's why he's opposed to it, not, not supporting in any way. Whereas this disposition that says, God, I need you to care for me and help me and support me and sustain me. And now I'm going to take what little I have and, you know, throw a party for others, you know, meet others in their need. Very, very powerful way of living. God, God delights in that. Mm. God, God supports, God shows up at those parties. And that's what our culture needs to experience and what we as the followers of Jesus can actually bring to this confused and confronting moment. Because it's so distinctive in our culture that is pushing us, you know, in the direction of arrogance and pride to, to go in the opposite direction is, is so, in our communication, in the way that we use social media, you know, in the way that we talk to one another, particularly in the way that we refer to people who don't share our beliefs, you know, political beliefs, religious beliefs, all kinds of different beliefs, that that would be so distinctive. It would immediately stand out yeah. um, as being something unexpected. Yes. And yet, oddly, real humility doesn't trumpet itself. No. It, you know, it, it stands out, but it stands out in relief against the background of other things, and it stands out for those whom God wants to see it. But if I step into the space of humility thinking, this is the way to get noticed, yes. Everything collapses, yeah. and so humility is this, this, this beautiful way of, of posturing my life in alignment with God and just walking in that faithfulness, um, deploying what resources I have to serve God's kingdom purposes, and and I, I will know that I'm walking in in humility uh, when I am walking in God's favor when I am, uh, you know. When I'm dead, I think, it's when I'll know that I've walked in humility. Because <laughs> uh, the more you think about it, the more you focus on it. Am I being humble? The more it evaporates. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful passage. And I think, I think, I love John Dixon's simple idea that humility is not, it's not, you know, bad-mouthing yourself. It's not, you know, diminishing your, your gifts and skills. It's taking what you have as a gift from God and deploying that hilariously, re recklessly, in service to others, and then casting your worries and cares on God, because he will care for you. Yes, beautiful. Yeah. So Peter then takes us towards the end of his letter, mm -hmm. and he has a really beautiful doxology in here. He says, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, mm -hmm. support, mm -hmm. strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Yeah, yeah, great. Don't you love the doxologies yes. in Scripture? 
Um, you understand why the great musicians took those and set them yeah. to big music. Absolutely. Um, that phrase, you know, a little while, the sermon that uh, I, I preached at the very front end of the series, uh, picked up that phrase, which is right at the beginning of the book. And yeah. so here, here's Peter kind of bracketing. And you see that a lot in scripture. It's, it's a kind of a, a mechanism that the uh, ancient writers often used, where there would be some, some phrase or a way in which they bracket what they're doing. And Peter's writing to a group of people who are scattered, they're in exile, they're, they're followers of Jesus, they, they, they love God, they want to do the right thing, but it's getting really hard, Katrina. It's getting hard, the cost is going up. Yeah. Um, and he, he just kind of underscores, it, it's just a little while. Don't, don't think of it, you know, in, in, in worldly terms and worry about your life ebbing away. Think about it on an eternal timeline. It's just a little while. And the, the capacity then to turn to God, cast our anxieties you know, in his direction. And, and not only is going to care for us, but all these other blessing, blessings, yes. the restoration, you know, the, the strengthening, the capacity. Um, it's just a beautiful picture of God with us. So verse 11, Alan, to him be the power forever and ever. You know, in First Peter, we've seen him address all kinds of powers in the world and all kinds of power differentials between masters and slaves, husbands and wives, between citizens and the empire. He's talked a lot about submission to, to the two particular powers in particular ways. And yet here he ends with, to him, to God, be the power forever and ever. What yeah. do you make of that? Yeah. It's a fascinating phrase. And it, it draws up the echoes of other parts of scripture, you know, to, to him be the glory and honor and, and, and long lists with the word power uh, as one of those words. But here, Peter has just used the word power. And exactly as you say, you know, we have to wonder, is that, is that really intentional? Is that Peter saying, in this context of exile, scattered people, feeling un insecure and uncertain, um, you know, the, the, the intention, the, the likelihood is that I, I will try to draw to myself strength and capacity and power so I can protect myself. And he's saying, why don't, why don't, you, why don't you give all that power back to God? Uh, you know, why, why don't you just surrender all of that to him as, as an act of praise? It's true, you know it intellectually, all power is God's. He created it, yeah, absolutely. But now viscerally, uh, devotionally, well, you know, as a habit of your life, because those habits are so incredibly important, so, so significant, make it a thing that you do. God, this is your power. It's not the Caesar. Um, it is not my boss, you know, I, I, my, my master, a slave. It, it's, it's not me, it's you. And, and it's a very powerful kind of image. Can I do that? Can I regularly, you know, in my own practices, give God the power and live, live under that life of humility, etc. But, but really recognizing all power, mm. all power to you, O Lord. Mm. Particularly in the context of suffering um, and yes. exile, which yes. is a big theme in, in the letter, I think it's so encouraging to be reminded who has ultimate mm. power. Because in those places of, of, of being under oppression, of experiencing difficulty, 
we're, we're either crying out mm. for a larger power than the one that is oppressing us and causing our suffering, or we're seeking to take up power ourselves in order to overcome it. Yes. So I think it's a, it's a wonderful writing yes. um, of some thinking that could move us in unhelpful yes. directions. Mm. And when we were chatting about this earlier, you made a comment about when you're suffering, you, you, you want to stick. You, know, you you look for something yes. to kind of to kind of gain control, and you know I I, I need to beat somebody here, um, and fight my way out of this. But here's a moment that we're being invited to realize that there is a massive power that is love, mm. that is just, mm. that is present, and that will keep us safe. But we never get to hold that stick. Mm. The best of all worlds is to never reach for that stick, yeah. but to leave it in God's hands. All, all power to, to God. Yeah. <laughs> so we come to the end of 1 yes. Peter. And I'm, I'm wondering, Alan, um, what's one idea, yeah. one thought, one image that's really resonating for you at this yeah. moment? We have been working through this series in the, this, this book in the sermon series with different kind of uh, one word uh, ideas that we've picked up. So um, exiles, children, foreigners, babies, stones. You preached a great message on stones. Um, you know, uh, yeah, don't call me a stone. Now, this is actually a really beautiful image. All of these ideas, citizens, couples, leaders, um, stewards, Christians, family, as we continue through the series. Peter has so many wonderful, you know, big ideas, but, but they're all related. And I think, I think for me, it is this sense of an identity in the person of Jesus. Mm. Many of these words are not words that I would choose. You know, you child, baby, you know, or to be, to be an exiled, you know, person or, or to, um, you know, think of yourself as, as a stone. <laughs> uh, but against the backdrop of what we've been studying and exploring together, this identity in Jesus is counter- cultural it's about forming a contrast community and it's about knowing how secure how how um, held i am in god's amazing purposes for me and so some of these you know words that we've used and maybe particularly like the concept of exile um, has become quite life-giving for me to think of myself as uh, a citizen of god's uh, kingdom and a servant of his purposes, uh, living in exile for a season. You know, the children of Israel in Babylon. Uh, you know, it feels like that through some of the some of the things we've been through in, in recent months, and some of the aspects of our cultures. Um, you know, wrestling with where are we going to go next? You, you can feel a little bit. You know, who, who's driving this ship? Are we okay? And I think Peter's writing to the scattered Christians saying, the one who is driving the universe, leading the way, we're good. Uh, but don't think of yourself, you know, as an old grown up adult in this world needing to solve it, everything. We can be babies, we can be stones in God's building, we can be exiles, uh, and it's, it's good, it's good. Mm. What about you? As you think about the book of First Peter, is there something that's really... Well, connected to that identity building that, that you're talking about there, um, you know, all of those things, what is the content of that identity? Uh, what's, it, what's something that's at the heart of that? And for me, I hark back to an idea that 
Peter talked about in chapter two, which is discipline yourself and practice hope. Mm -hmm. So I think all of those identities invite us into the place of practicing hope. And so for me over these weeks, it, I'm thinking about that question. What, what are the disciplines of hope that are grounded in my own life? And noticing that when I practice them, like when I actually do them yes, <laughs> in yes. the flesh at yes. a particular time, that they really change things, yes. that they reorient my thinking that they focus me in a different way, that it feels different mm -hmm. when I go through a day where I'm connected to the idea of hope, particularly in the midst of, you know, the, just the normal day-to-day -day difficulty and challenges that we all face. So I'm finding that incredibly helpful and it's making me realise the extent to which hope is a choice, yes. an ever-present resource yes. that's available to me because of my identity in Jesus yes. and that I have an opportunity each and every day to reach for it, mm. to establish myself in hope, to ground myself in that place of hope. So I've been really loving that. Is it is it asking too much to ask you to just, how do you do that in, 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 in practice? How do you take a hold of hope at the beginning of each day? Uh, gosh, so one of the things that I do is I've taken up the question of writing an identity statement for this particular yes. season in my yes. life. So, um, so I read my identity statement in the morning. Yeah. I have a bit of a ritual with a cup of coffee and yeah. my yeah. journal and yeah. my Bible. Um, but this identity statement is about me orienting myself yes. to my true identity in Jesus. And, and I find that identity incredibly hope-filled. Yes. Yes. Um, and so that's something I do practically. Yeah. That's yeah. powerful. So um, instead of just... I'll let everybody else tell me who I am and react to that and all the rest. You're anchoring your identity in that time with God and that's posturing you for hope and, and life-giving. Yes, because I'm not my to-do list, Alan, for yes. the day. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> I'm not the jobs that I have to yes. do and yes. neither am I the various roles that yeah. I play. They are yeah. still inadequate um, labels for who I truly am. Yeah. yeah. And the book of First Peter is a wonderful resource for writing an identity statement. Absolutely. That's Fantastic. Right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us both today and also for this entire series of One Peter. We've hoped you've really gotten something out of it. I know that uh, I've really enjoyed it uh, and these conversations have been really um, interesting from my point of view. So we wish you well as your groups go forward and as you keep reading this fantastic letter of One Peter.